Well, another Monday. Here we go. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Why do I feel like I sound a little hot there? What's up with that? And I'm streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that is your cup of tea. I find it interesting, surely to God, somebody in the in the Nikki Haley camp reads the press that's coming off of every time she opens her face. And for whatever reason, they're not getting out there and saying, you know, Nikki, uh, there's a few things you should probably not be saying. Maybe you should just, and you know, that's, that's, that's one way. Uh, Joe Biden won was he didn't get out there and show everybody how decrepit he was when he was campaigning. He just stayed in his basement. So the other day, um, because she was on NBC News, and see, all of your favorite left leftist fake stream media outlets, they can't really go on facts because the facts are horrific. So they have to get out there and play the hypothetical game. So... Dasha Burns and Brianne Fanestale, the chief politics reporter at the Des Moines Register, uh, they were interviewing her in a uh, joint interview. And Dasha Burns said, but what about Hunter Biden, the president's kid? If he were convicted, would you pardon him? And this was her answer. I mean, I'm not even going to think about that. I don't even know what they found him guilty on yet. Well, uh... <laughs> Here's the short answer, Nikki. The short answer is no, you would not pardon him. See, um, and the first thing they do is they're going to try it out. Well, you know, Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon. Well, Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon because of the rift that was occurring in the country at that particular time. We had a president and a vice president that nobody had voted for. And he was trying to just settle things down. So he pardoned Richard Nixon so that this that would be done. So that that would be done. Because Watergate went on for a long, long time. So, and, But Hunter Biden is not, uh, he's not a head of state. He's not in the government or anything else. He's just uh, a punk that's out there peddling his father's influence. And, you know, in, in, in the one piece of defense I will throw out there to the Haley camp, it's a stupid question to begin with. But it should have been an unequivocal no. But she gave this absurd answer to it. And then she kept going, trying to make it better. I know that they've, you know, what we've seen in the Department of Justice system, if anything, they're not treating everybody fairly. You look at how the Bidens and the Clintons have been treated, it's very different from how the Trumps have been treated. Everybody should be treated the same. If you do a crime, you should pay the price, period. You should have transparency. Everybody should see what's happening. We should make sure the taxpayers know that everything is above board. That's what this is. Doesn't matter what party, doesn't matter what person, but treat everybody exactly the same. That's where we should go. Well, now that would have been okay if that's all she'd said. But then she ruined it. Uh, she, she said, I'm not going to let get into whether we pardon Hunter Biden or not. Let's see and wait what the charges are. But at this point, you should you have to go and look at every case individually. And I don't think it's responsible just to throw out whether you would do something like that on someone's son when we don't know all the details on that issue. Let's see what the charges are. We know what the charges are. And this is why I wonder if she actually watches or reads anything. 
about what's going on there. We know what Hunter Biden nearly got away with. We know about the sweetheart deal that fell apart. And why would anybody, particularly someone who claims to be the conservative's conservative, leave open the possibility that he might deserve a pardon? Even Joe Biden claims he wouldn't pardon Hunter Biden. No one believes that, but at least he said he wouldn't. And we know from the whistleblowers that uh, the DOJ has been protecting him for years. So we can't even say that his prosecution is a result of department abuse that a pardon is needed to correct. But they asked the same stupid question of Governor Ron DeSantis. Who was, and, uh, so they said, but what about Hunter Biden? Would you pardon him? And he goes, why? No. <laughs> because he was flabbergasted by the stupid question. I mean, in the spirit of healing the country, moving forward. And he said, he said, now this, this is why, this is why we're going to, one day we're going to be saying President Ron DeSantis. I have no problem considering this at all. They're not the same things. He explained, you have a current administration that is prosecuting the former president. That's not the same thing as a Hunter Biden prosecution. Hunter Biden was not one of the leaders of the opposition political party. So when you have that, that is not healthy for this country to be doing that. And Dasha goes, but neither is division, as you said. So he came back. Well, Hunter Biden's not creating division. Hunter Biden, if you have not, if you had been not connected to the D.C. ruling class, he would have been prosecuted a long time ago. But those are not equivalent in things of a, in terms of like a Ford and Nixon, and then versus some of the things that we're seeing with Donald Trump. That's a good answer, Nikki. I know that you're out there trying to make him look bad as you try to come in second and everything. But I hate to tell you this: your uh, time in government, unless somebody appoints you something. I don't know what you're going to win. Right now, she is polling, I think. I think she's in second place here in the state of South Carolina. Second place. <laughs> and in that, I, I just find that amusing simply because uh, when, when this happened to Kamala Harris, everybody was like, well, you know, Kamala Harris is just garbage. So what they say about Nikki Haley, she's not going to win New Hampshire. She, she's probably going to finish stronger in New Hampshire. She's not going to win Iowa. She's not going to win South Carolina. So where does her, and on the text line, you have to remember she's taking donations from Democrats, pay off perhaps. Well, if it continues, if if she continues to get have money coming in, she might stay in the race for a while. But at a certain point, it becomes a, uh, it becomes a operation of diminishing returns. You can stay in there and just keep losing over and over again. And that's damaging to somebody. You know, she wants to get out here and do do good. She wants to get out here and look strong as a future future presidential contender. Uh, for some reason, all of our well, with the exception of why were the two Democrats the young guys? I, that's the interesting thing I, I, I think about because uh, well, I guess GW wasn't that old, but he was garbage too. Interestingly enough, uh, another thing that came out about Nikki is that Nikki decided uh, to, uh, Nikki's husband's name is William Michael Haley. And he was born William Michael Haley. And then uh, he, he went around using the same nickname as me. He was, he was Bill Haley. And for whatever reason, she uh, decided to call him Michael. She said, uh, when, when she was talking to him, uh, she said, 
he said, you know, my name is Bill. And she said, you just don't look like a Bill. What's your whole name? William Michael. And from that point on, I started calling him Michael, and all my friends are the same. When he transferred to Clemson his sophomore year, my friends became his friends. And before we knew it, he was universally known as Michael. Anyway, uh, you know, and do I dare say it? Was she condescending to her husband about, you know, her name is Nimrata Rondhawa. And uh, that was before she uh, developed this abiding admiration of Hillary Clinton and rebranded herself a Republican and declared herself a candidate for high office. Got to do that rebranding. I don't know what I, I would I would rebrand my name, but somebody's already used Sean Connery. When we get back, they keep wanting to defund the police. It keeps coming back, keeps coming back. But who are they? Who are the police? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Who precisely are they talking about defunding? The police are more than just this uh, concept. They're actually physically physical people walking around on the planet. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. To come, become a police officer, and this is just what I know in the overview, you got to be at least 21, no significant criminal record, be in good health, good shape, at least a high school diploma or GED. You need to be of average intelligence. There are some that would say most police administrators don't want to hire the smarter people because they're afraid they get bored and quit, but, you know. Now, these days, in blue states, the hiring standards have been seriously dumbed down. And having been defunded and persecuted, the capable officers are fleeing for the red state agencies, retiring or getting out of the profession. And recruiting is a nightmare. And agencies are taking people with drunk driving convictions, histories of drug use, and significant criminal histories, including some felonies, just to put some bodies in the blue suits. And it doesn't take much imagination to see how these diversity hire mandates make a bad situation worse. But, you know, we could just play along with it and see how things should work. The usual hiring process begins with an application. Then there's this background check that's pretty extensive. And that has to be finished before a job offer is made. In some cases, especially around here, you might get hired and then sent to the, uh, and LEO, if you're listening right now, if I'm right about this, do you get hired first and then sent to the police academy after you've passed all the other stuff? There's a skills test that is not a Mensa-level exam, but it's a basic inventory of the not-all-too-common common sense and basic reasoning skills. And a lot of applicants fail that part. Uh, and... As as time has passed, as we've come through the various generations, um, the, there's been a lack of quality of applicants, or so I'm told, within the law, in law enforcement. There's a lot of people that show up with so many piercings they could set off a metal detector from the parking lot. There's a lot of people that show up that they're applying for a job with personal integrity, but they sort of forgot that whole personal hygiene thing. And... There's been cases where some guys who are administering the exam get touched or get hit up by the people, the applicants, for, to borrow some money. <laughs> but those who pass all of that, now they have to take a physical fitness test. 
And you don't have to be an Olympic athlete to pass the sit-ups, push-ups, and a one-half-mile run that you can, uh, if you do a little bit better than a walking pace, you'll pass it. Some flexibility exercises, simple stuff. And yet, many people fail that. And a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people find out that they have an issue with that because cardiac cardiac issues have this tendency to hide unless you stress something. And if you haven't done that up to this point, may trigger that. Although, this ends up saving their life. Now, more corpulent candidates have a higher chance of passing. Those that are that way usually need a medical exam to eliminate chronic or undetected cardiac conditions. And then once that examination occurs, then some of those fail at that level as well. Others from there take a psychological psychological exam, like the Minnesota Multiphase Inventory. This helps to weed out the disturbed, and a lot of people fail there. And what's left are interviewed by a panel of officers of various ranks. See, one thing that I, I don't think some of us take into consideration is that police officers are public people. They lead a public life. They're out in front of us. They have to be able to deal with every segment of society. And if they can't intelligently answer questions from their peers about this kind of stuff, then they're out the door. Then some agencies require an interview with a psychologist. Most require a polygraph. And there may be an interview with the police chief or the sheriff. In the smaller agencies, some of these steps may be compressed or eliminated and all interviews are done by the chief or the sheriff. Then, if you get hired, then you got to go to a state-mandated academy. There you get certified. Once you get certified to be a police officer, things change. Some, some states don't have an academy. And uh, th then they require they complete a private state-recognized academy before they apply. So essentially, the private firm that you go to in that case does most of the vetting. And after that, every agency has some form of field training program where they ride with a series of field training officers who try to teach them about all the aspects of the job, all the agency policies and the procedures, and write daily evaluations. Now, at this particular point, this police department wants this candidate to succeed because they're spending a lot of money to train them. Unfortunately, some will inevitably fail at that level as well. After about a year of this from their date of hire, that's when they're capable to operate a patrol car on their own. A year during which they're producing no real police services and their FTOs did very little but train them. And the biggest difference between a police officer and a sheriff's deputy is deputies normally begin their career in the jail and earn their way to patrol duties. Now, for a lot of people, they want to become a police officer because they want to serve. They might be idealistic. They might want adventure or excitement. Maybe they want to be worthy of respect. Some want the job for baser reasons such as power over others. And they want to demand, not earn respect. The entire first year is designed to weed them out as early as possible. And it's only after they begin that first patrol day alone that they really begin to learn about police work and the public they serve begins to learn about them. And we've just taken all of this time to get this officer to this point. All of this money, which, by the way, these municipalities are taxing the residents to pay for this. And uh, in, the same, in the same breath sometimes, 
in the same breath sometimes there's those people are calling for defunding of police reimagining reimagining police police if they could they would they would stop a crime before it begins if they could but most of the time they're not going to get that opportunity they may be catching a guy who has already committed a crime and they're going to catch him to keep him from committing another crime but they're the ones that show up and start trying to put the pieces back together. And uh, we're one, in some cases, a lot of people just don't respect them. I don't know how, what are they, eight or 12 hour shifts? I don't know. But um, whatever they work out to be. And listen, I, I've, I've had lunch with a few of them since we began the Upstate Warrior Solutions. Uh, Shows there where they show up. And most of these people are just young people. They're, they're kids. I mean, most of the people in their leadership are, you know, a little older. But they're, they're kids for the most part. And they've gotten out there. And for one thing, it does me... Uh, it does... It does change my attitude towards some young people. Because some young people... I mean, I talked to one kid that was a law enforcement officer. It was 22 years old. So... You got young people wanting to serve. I don't know why they want to serve, but whatever it is, they they show up. They seem uh, they seem quite how should we say it? They seem quite uh, eager to serve. Very much up on it. One time they got a dog. They, 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 there was a dog presented to the K nine corps. I think of the sheriff's department, and all the K nine handlers were there, and uh, the K nine handler was getting the dog was there and. The, these guys are they're pros at what they do and they go out there and they're doing it alone we're sending them out there to go do things and be the first point of contact in a very tense situation in most cases alone now I don't mind going into any tense situation but every time I've ever done that in my past I have done it with a with a team so I don't know what it takes to go out there and be willing to do that kind of stuff alone so the next time you hear somebody talking about defunding the police or they're this or they're that, just remember, just remember what it takes to become one. And remember what the community does to bring this person along, how much is invested in this one person that just got hired. It's, got, it's a job, but it's also a profession that is beyond a normal job where you get a pension and all that other stuff. It's a different kind of job. So when we get back, we're going to look at the anarcho-tyranny because that has been perfected. Well, that's not when we get back. Actually, we're going to talk to Michael Letts when we get back. That's what we're about to do. Yeah. Then we'll go to the anarcho tyranny. Yeah. 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 This is News Talk 989 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Joining me now from investusa.org is Michael Letts. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bill. Always a privilege to be with you. So uh, let's talk about uh, the President President Trump and the Colorado Supreme Court. Uh, he's getting a lot of support on that one. Um, 
despite the fact that they called him an insurrectionist, which doesn't actually apply to what anything he's done. He's done none of that stuff. Uh, how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think he does? I, I mean, I already know the answer to this. I just want your take on how much of our support he deserves on this as we go forward. Well, you have 27 states that have filed an amicus brief of support for the president. But there's a broader reason for this uh, that affects every one of us, whether you like Trump, don't like Trump, really is irrelevant in this case. You say, why is that? Here's what's happened in layman's terms. You have a state, the state of Colorado, its Supreme Court divided four to three, who decided that Trump was guilty of a crime that, get this, he hasn't even been indicted for. You say, oh, what they're talking about all the time. Yes, but if you look at the indictments Jack Smith issued, okay, there was never an indictment for insurgency because there was no evidence of such. What they did and uh, are trying to indict him for is for helping to uh, incite or not taking enough action to defuse. But they've never indicted him for insurgency because they know there are no facts there. But yet the Colorado Supreme Court has found him guilty of a crime that he has even been indicted for. Now, here's where it affects you and I and every citizen listening to us right now. If we have gotten to the point in this country to our judicial system, our jurisprudence no longer is applicable, I can accuse you of something and make up a crime right. and have you found guilty without it being given a trial by a jury of your peers, which is what the Constitution requires, that we are a dictatorship. We have lost all sense of balance in this country, and our Constitution means absolutely nothing. So that is why the Supreme Court is stepping in, because this is a critical position, not about whether Trump should or shouldn't be on the ballot. The issue is they have convicted a person who's never even been indicted with no trial and no evidence. That is totally contrary to everything this country has been built upon, jurisprudence over the last 250 years. You know, people still walk around the street saying you're innocent until proven guilty. Well, if this case stands, that just went out the door. Right. Now, just to give some sense of scale, if I had to think about an American insurrection, I would either pick CHOP during the Summer of Love or the Rodney King riots, where you basically had government taken over by a mob in both of those cases, with with weapons and violence. Uh, that Would yeah. you look at that as a uh, modern-day analog to an insurrection? There's no question about that. You know, if this was an insurrection, talk about January 6th, what they're accusing about it's the worst insurrection I've ever seen planned. There were no arms. There were no takeover. There were no hostages. There were no negotiations. There's nothing other than some people touring around the U.S. Capitol, which maybe they, they shouldn't have been in there at that time, but they were, the doors were open. They were allowed in. Now, yes, some people took violence into their hands, and it doesn't make any difference whether you're violent in the U.S. Capitol or violent down at the Columbia Mall. Right. Anytime there's violence, you should be held accountable for it. Right. But that has nothing to do with a term of insurgency, which is what they're trying to make this to be. And they, they had one purpose in mind. They assumed that if they could convince America that this was an insurgency act, that the 14th Amendment would apply and their problems with Trump would be eliminated. Well, I mean, what they're doing is they're doing what they've always done, which is uh, repurpose language. I mean, 
That's why they call themselves liberals. They're not liberal. That's why we have terms like assault weapon and gun control because uh, they they've repurposed the language to, uh, and now they're trying to try, uh, change the word the the uh, the meaning of the word plagiarize as well as we see with these other uh, <laughs> uh, all these it other always, things. So. Always what works in their best interest, doesn't it? Yes, yes, it does. They refer to refer to abortion as women's health. Correct. Now, if I were to go to a Planned Parenthood and they had a program like to reset ankles or to get your back in good shape, I would say so. But I, you don't find that. But, I mean, that's what they do, right? That they, they, they just repurpose this stuff, and that's what they're trying to do with this and make insurrection a thing. So uh, where do you think this ends up? I think in this particular issue, uh, you're seeing with such a strong backlash, even Democrats are coming out and saying, whoa, that was a mistake. Yeah. You're talking about uh, you can't trample the Constitution and not expect it to backfire. And this just gives Trump even a greater advantage because people, you know, we all have a tendency to do that. Tell me I can't do something and see how far it goes. And uh, that's what they're doing now. You can't vote for Trump. Okay, fine. Now I wasn't going to vote at all, but now I will just to show you spite. (laughs) So the Supreme Court is going to step in, in my opinion, and I think it's probably going to be unanimous. Yeah. They're going to overrule the Colorado. You say, well, it's on the ballot now. Yeah, we need to clarify that. It was a temporary order because right. of timing that they said you can't take his name off the ballot. didn't mean you couldn't take it off at the end of the day. It just right. means you have to leave it on there for now. And because of that, you have other states across the country, Maine and others, considering it. Well, they can do it, so can we. Of course, they've opened up Pandora's box because if they're doing that, then, then we have states that are saying, well, The border crisis is treason because you're not defending and protecting the American people as the Constitution requires. That's right. That's right. But, I mean, in Maine's case, that was just Secretary of State, right? That wasn't even a a body. That was just one person that decided, well, I'm going to look at this. What are are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to figure out whether Trump can stay on the ballot or not. What about you? I'm just going to take the kids to Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, what a life I lead. (laughs) So what I think is funny about this, uh, Bill, is the fact that now you have states saying, well, Gee, if we're going to convict somebody without a jury or of his peers and say he was guilty of insurgency so he can't be on the ballot, and we think uh, Biden's guilty of treason because he has opened up the borders, and we're going to do the same thing without a jury of his peers, we're just going to say he can't be on the ballot either. See, the biggest problem I don't think they understand, and they're already starting to do it. I don't know if you've seen this in some of the interviews with Haley and DeSantis and everything. They're beginning to understand they've changed the rules and they might be made to live with their own rules like they did in the Senate. So exactly. I, I, I guess we'll see how that goes. Uh, you can find Mr. Letts at, he, he writes for American Thinker. His byline appears there on a quite an often basis. He also runs investusa.org, where he's given out 11,000-plus protective vests to law enforcement officers and their canine, their canine colleagues and continues to do so. He's not going to rest until they all have a protective vest. Thank you for joining me today, sir. Thank you, Bill. God bless you. God bless America. I look forward to talking to you again. Very good, sir. When we get back, what is a narco-tyranny? And how does it actually, what does it look like when you actually under that thumb. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. As the former president has said, they are after you. I'm just in the way. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The 
Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Um, now, we're seeing, what, we're seeing how bad they want him out of the way, right? They want him out of the way bad. They're out there saying, well, of course, you know, he's this, he's that, he's the other. And on the other hand, they're trying, they're throwing everything at him except the kitchen sink. And I say except the kitchen sink because they threw that at him last month. So what if they do get him out of the way and they come after us? Well, I'll tell you what it's not going to look like because they know what that would trigger. It's not going to look like a concentration camp or a mass execution or systemic silencing of uh, those of us who support Donald Trump and those that don't. That would be very hard to cover up in the digital age. They know that. The, 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 uh, and this would get out and it would be like throwing gasoline on a fire. So what will they do in the beginning? Well, they're not going to do anything. At least, they're not going to do anything new. We're not going to see anything we haven't seen already. They're just going to perfect it. And this is where the phrase anarcho-tyranny comes in. It was uh, originally coined by Sam Francis 30 years ago. He put it this way. Essentially, a kind of Hegelian synthesis of what appear to be dialectical opposites. The combination of oppressive government power against the innocent and the law-abiding and simultaneously a grotesque paralysis of the ability or the will to use that power to carry out basic public duties like protection or public safety. And it is characteristic of anarcho-tyranny that it only fails to punish crim criminals and enforce legitimate order, but also criminalizes the innocent. So we've already got that in certain spots. You could say New York City is an anarcho-tyranny area. You could say all of California is anarcho-tyranny. So we've already got that going on now. We see it on a daily basis, and we're becoming, you know, we're becoming numb to this. Now, with the January 6th, which is the leftist favorite holiday now, right? Uh, right now, they're going to want, they're trying to expand going after people um, that were just outside now. They're, they're trying to figure out who was outside and they're going to go after them too. They're tr what they're trying to do is they're trying to get everybody to stop. And if Trump were to suddenly stop running for president, for example, they would stop that, I think. And the you know in the in the interim right now while the FBI is out there and they're doing this bang up job of hunting down all the grandmas that were outside of the Capitol, they're not going after all of these terrorists that we have inside the United States. And yes, there are terrorists inside the United States right now today. If you were to go on Twitter X or whatever they call it, uh, you would see everybody. You know, I, I've seen people getting up there crying about how did you. How did you manage that day? Well, it was so horrible, you know. You've got others that say, well, you know, Ashley Babbitt deserved to be killed. <laughs> and it was a shame that she was the only one that was killed. Why do we need a professional secret police when random people who are ginned up on this regime rhetoric will do it for free? as this attitude sort of suggests to me. So, um, who remembers Kaylor Ellingson? Does anybody remember that name? Um, he was murdered in 2022 by Shannon Brandt, who said Ellingson was a re Republican extremist, and Mr. Brandt was only given five years. 
On top of that, Antifa and Jane's Revenge and the other leftist terrorists are either allowed to run free or get slaps on the wrist. Well, they are in the places where they've always done it. And and this is the thing, and we, we were talking about this the other day. We were talking gun control and some of this other stuff. All of this stuff is just going to get more so in these blue states, in these, uh, in these hellscapes that they're allowing them to be. Although the saving grace of all of this might be the fact that uh, people like, you know, Abbott in Texas are sending all of these illegal immigrants to these various sanctuary places, and they're, they're, they're being driven to their knees. So that might sort of short-circuit some of that, but uh, we got to start uh, learning how to not pay attention to certain things. We need to pay attention to the information coming, like that the World Economic Forum wants us to live in pods and eat bugs and own nothing. And that could very well be on the table, but the stated objective to enslave us by 2030 might be just a means of provoking outrage. And when you when that happens, when you start yelling, then people start saying that you're a conspiracy theorist. It's a little game they play. And they play it well. And, and that's why that's why I keep asking everybody, learn how to be a warrior. Because a warrior sits back and just observes. And then you begin to regard things in a whole different light. And you don't see them as political opponents you see them if they get, keep going in that particular uh direction they're going they begin to look very very alarmingly like silhouettes to me when we get back so the liz cheney's of the world just can't stomach the idea of trump who do you want that's all i want to know what do you want what do you stand for this is news talk 98.9 w-o-r-d the voice of the carolinas <laughs> 